Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So last week, you know, so through the summer, I've not really been sticking to a series. I've kind of been enjoying just doing one-off messages, but they do kind of build on each other a little bit. You know, last week we talked about the difference between uh, good works and dead works. And in Hebrews 6, we talked about the foundations of the faith, one of which is repentance from dead works. And, you know, a dead work outwardly, can look just like a good work, but it's done from the wrong motive. It's done from the wrong heart, you know. So like a dead, somebody might give a giant check, but the dead work might be, well, I feel like I have to do this to get God to respond to me, to bless me financially. The good work would be you give out of a place of generosity, thankful, but knowing that God has already blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So the good work versus the dead work is motive. It's reason. And it's where am I standing in my identity in the body of Christ? Am I, do I feel like I'm standing outside of the body, outside of the kingdom, outside of God's acceptance, and I need to do something to get closer to him, to maybe even get into his presence, would be a dead work. In other words, you doing any type of act outwardly, or even in your mind, even prayer. Prayer can be a dead, prayer is probably one of the biggest dead works we engage in. We worry, we uh, strategize, we think through our own logic, we judge, and we call it prayer. And we pray sometimes feeling like, well, I've got to pray to feel like I'm closer to God, and I feel like God's upset with me, I haven't prayed. I haven't read my Bible enough this week. I haven't read my Bible enough this month. I haven't read my Bible enough this year. I haven't read my Bible in 10 years. I feel pretty, you know, I mean, how far is it for you? But all of that stuff, so like if you pick up the Bible and you feel guilty, it's a dead work. You you think that your acceptance with God or your qualification for blessing is somehow related to your performance. And and that's probably one of the biggest things that I want to do through this church, through these messages, is unhinge uh, righteousness from performance. You know, the paradox is, Yes, we are created unto good works. If you read First and Second Timothy, I was actually going to go into that uh, some today, but I'll give you some homework. Go read First and Second Timothy this week, and just pay attention to how much instruction is in there for good works, and and ask yourself, what good works am I engaging in? But be careful, because when you start asking yourself a question like that. If the flesh mind kicks in, or if that legalistic programming keeps in, kicks in, and then you start thinking, well, gosh, I'm not doing enough. Boy, I really should be doing this, and I have to serve this and do this and do that. And unfortunately, a lot of church structures erroneously take advantage of that mindset. I don't, I don't think intentionally for purposeful manipulation, but kind of accidentally because it's also flesh-minded. I think the church will create systems and programs and structures, get you to serve within them. You then feel like you're serving, 
and fulfilling an obligation and you become proud of yourself, but then, but it's all just kind of empty serving. It's not out of a birth. It's not out of the passion in your heart. It's not out of a desire in your heart. It's not a birthing of that calling of God on your life. It's, well, I showed up for prayer. I played on the team. I served in kids' church. I delivered some food. I went over there and prayed. I baked my neighbor a cake. I'm doing all these good works. I'm doing all this Christian work. And it's like, yeah, but what's the passion of your heart? And, and I'm not saying once you find the passion of your heart, then you're out of dead works. I'm not trying to make that point. I'm just saying, are the works that you're engaged in out of obligation because you think that that's what you're supposed to do as a Christian? Or are you genuinely expressing your faith in this world through love toward people, maybe focused on a specific area? So it, it can be sticky, right? But we want to live a lifestyle of repentance from dead works. Now, sometimes people come into, you know, the finished work perspective and really start to understand the new covenant, and they realize that most of what they've been doing is dead works or just empty works, and so they flop back over on the other extreme into the other ditch of nothing. Well, you mean I don't have to give and God's still blessing me? I don't have to go to church and I'm still accept. I don't have to pray. I don't have. No, you don't have to do any of that stuff. It sounds like my mom. My mom would tell me something like, do I have to do? you don't have to do nothing. Sorry, that's a different thing. I just heard her in my mind for a minute there. Uh, but, I, you know, but I think that's God's attitude. You know, you don't, you don't have to. What I want you to do is rest in my love for you the finished work of Jesus on your behalf. And then God knows the secret. The more you are convinced and persuaded of just how at peace and how harmonized your relationship is with him. He knows that the secret is the more you just rest in your place in him, the more that effortless fruit of Christian good works will come out of you, of Holy Spirit-filled good works, of the fruits of the Spirit in your life, and the power, the gifts of the Spirit flowing out of you for others. You know, the more you know who you are, the more you just flow in that stuff. And then you, and then you turn around and you're like, oh, wow, I'm not struggling with that anymore. And I don't really, I'm not worried about that facet of life anymore. And, you know, and so you've just become transformed. So we're separating good works from dead works. Now, there's another area, and this is, dun, 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 beware of spiritual dead works. So spiritual dead works are harder to spot. Um, and, and, you know, really, the, Adam and I have been talking about this, and I've used language. I'm, I'm trying to find the right language of how to address some of these issues because it's not. So, so what I like to do in most of my teaching is just go to the Word, look at, look at what the Word says, look at what it's actually saying, look at it through the finished work of Jesus, and then how does it apply to us and how can we live in it? You know, that, 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 I'm more of a practitioner. I'm wanting to take the word, renew our mind with it, because I know it's going to produce a change within us, and then we will follow God. So today's uh, message and kind of this idea that I'm going to talk about, it's, it's a little bit uh, kind of some of my own ideas. It's, a, it's a, some observations that I've made. I don't know that I can necessarily look at a particular scripture and say the word of God says this in validation of, of, of some of the observations that I've made, but I do think it's worth pointing out because I think a lot of people learn about the new covenant, break free of trying to be good enough to be accepted by God, but when it comes to the matters of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, 
or experiencing blessing or experiencing what the Spirit of God is trying to do in your life, we flip back into mixture. We flip back into an old covenant mindset. We flip back into, well, I know that I'm righteous by the blood of Christ. However, to get healed, I got to do all these things. I got to go through deliverance. I got to go get a sozo. I got to get inner healing. I got to forgive my mama. I got to get rid of those Masonic coins. I got to do this. I got to rebuke the spirit of Jezebel. I got to bludgeon Beelzebub. I got to, you know, whatever. And you, you, it gets formulized, right? I'm telling you, have you ever been through that? And now, now listen, I might say some things today that might offend you. So you got a choice here. And I'm not trying to. I'm really not trying to because there are great people in the body of Christ that have developed great systems, really sincerely trying to help people, but it ends up putting a yoke of bondage on people that is a mystical or spiritual dead work. You know, so it's easy to spot the overt performance-oriented dead works. It's harder to spot the spiritual ones because it sounds spiritual. It sounds like, oh, no, this is, yeah, this is kind of a spiritual realm type thing. I can't really systematize and quantify it, but, but it kind of sounds this way. And it, it's interesting because, the um, again, I'm not trying to attack a Methodist system, a particular ministry, none of that stuff. I appreciate and love the body of Christ. What I want to do is remove the yoke of bondage off of you and firmly help you stand in the finished work of Christ as your position to receive anything from God. In reality, you've already received everything he has to give you. You are complete in him. He's given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. All his blessings are yes and amen. He lives in you. He's joined himself to you. He's leading you and guiding you into all truth. He's showing you things to come. He's testifying of Jesus. I mean, you are complete. You lack nothing. However, in your life, you, you are not experiencing the manifestation of all those things that he's already given you in your spirit. Thereby engages us in these processes to try to get those things and experience those things. Am I making sense? Yes. You're sick, you need healing. You're broke, you need finances. You're you know, worried all the time, you need peace. You're depressed, you need joy. We're trying to get the spiritual stuff, the good stuff that he's already given us that's actually already in there. And because we know that it's ours, we are willing to kind of go into the spirit realm and do this shadow boxing thing that, that kind of appeals to the flesh as if we've done something and now we're qualified for it. Now, that might not be the exact process for everybody, but it is for a lot of people because so many people feel disqualified for what Jesus has paid for, and it makes sense to the flesh mind to work to do something to then get it. Now, what is flesh? This, you know, the word flesh is the word sarx in the Greek, S-A-R-X. It does, re it does refer to your physical body, but, but really more so in terms of uh, this, the spiritual life with God, flesh has more to do with a mindset or a dependence on self-effort. You know, so if you, if you know that you can't do a work in your physical body to be made righteous, but maybe you feel like in your heart and your mind you can believe a certain way into righteousness. You know, it's, it's less observable. It's harder to spot. Are you with me? Am I making sense so far? All right. Now, some of you have come out of these backgrounds, and some of you might apply these methods. And, and, I, and, and, and praise God, all I'm asking is that 
when you seek to apply any particular training that you've been given, make sure you're not putting a yoke of bondage on the person that you're praying for and make sure you're affirming what Christ has paid for for them. And then if in your attempt to minister to them, you run across something that maybe the Lord reveals to you that they might need to deal with, you address it knowing that it's already been given, but they might have this thing going on in their life. Now, again, it's harder to spot. So let's just kind of look at some of these passages here. Uh, let's jump down to uh, Hebrews 4.10 is kind of what we started talking about last week. For he who has entered his rest, entered God's rest, has also has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Now, ceasing from your own efforts, ceasing from your own works to enter into God's rest is easy to spot when you're doing these external overt things that can be classified as legalism. But again, in the working of the Spirit, there's still a lot of mixture out there being taught. You know, things like, um, let me go, I've got this particular issue going on in my life. I know this person over here really sees a lot. They've got a, they've got a special anointing or they have the gift of this. So let me go to them because they, I've been chosen specifically by God to have this gift. And if I go to the right person, then they will be able to connect me to my healing and, and give me what Jesus has really already given me. The idea of special anointings, as if you're anointed for one thing, but you're not, here's the reality. In Christ, there's one anointing, and that's Christ in you. Christ in you is the one and only anointing that we all have. Now, yes, God is active and busy in the body of Christ, leading one to flow in one particular gift and maybe leading you to flow into another gift uh, as he builds his body and works, but you all have the same spirit, and it's the same spirit which works all gifts through all people because all believers are anointed by the indwelling spirit of God. Are you with me? Now, that might seem basic, and that might seem like you already know that, but do you stand in that when you are seeking to pray for others and minister to others, and do you stand in that when you're seeking out ministry from others? Are you with me? Am I going too fast? Am I throwing a lot at you? Are you thinking? This is yes. I feel like I'm going super fast, so we're going to cease from our works. So flesh is the mindset of self-effort. Now, here's an example of an area where spiritual dead works are introduced into the body often. Uh, and an area where a yoke of bondage that leaves people feeling incomplete is introduced in an attempt to minister to people. And it's the area of forgiveness. You ever been prayed for? The miracle didn't happen. And then they asked you, well, have you forgiven your dad? Maybe, do you have any unforgiveness in your heart? Some of you are laughing because you're like, oh, yeah, I've been there, done that. And some of you are like, well, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to ask for a good for your kid. Well, let's just, let's just, all right, so let me, let me, again, you could be offended or you can stay open. You could disagree if you like. Some of you are like, what's the big deal? I'm just telling you, some people really hold on to these things. In the area of forgiveness, let's just go after this one just for a minute. Jesus says, Matthew 6, 15, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus said that, red letters, everything. 
However, however, that changed after Jesus died on the cross, went into the grave, and rose again. Why? Because the blood of Christ is then available ahead of time for your forgiveness. So then you, you so what's the new covenant expression of that? The new covenant is Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Yeah, so in the old covenant, it's if you, da, 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 da. under the new, it's for you, da, 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 da. It's already been given. You are already forgiven. Now, what will happen is we get into these situations where we pray for somebody and they don't get healed and then we start walking them through forgiveness. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, there's nothing magical about the sin of forgiveness being a block. It really could be any sin, right? Think about this for just a minute. Those of you that have been trained in those methods, okay, well, so we're going to go after forgiveness. But, it, but, but that's just a sin, right? That's just a sin that might be blocking you from your healing, okay? Why not also ask them, did you eat too many cupcakes yesterday? <laughs> I mean, think about it. Think about it. If we're going after, let's identify a sin that's disqualifying you from healing. Which one is it? Did you, you know, harm a bird yesterday? I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to be funny, but it's like, you know, did you speed on the way to church today? Honestly, think about it. How many times have you prayed for somebody, they didn't get healed, then you start asking them, gosh, have you really repented of all your sins? Let, let's see, you, you have a Masonic bloodline, therefore you need, to, you need to rebuke the spirit of Jezebel or Ahab, and now we need to go into... All of these things that are associated in your life, you got this problem, well, that means you got this spirit. You got this problem, where you've got this emotional issue. You've got this problem, well, that means you need to rebuke and repent and do the da, 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 da. And it's like, that is all dead works. That is all a work of the flesh to engage you into a carnal, in other words, a mental aspect to go through some type of exercise to then qualify to be healed. Now, can you block your healing because of a heart belief? Of course you can. That's why we aren't healed. It's a matter of the heart. God's given it to us. We're all healed in our spirit, and we're all qualified for it. So, again, you can, it might be appropriate for someone to have to forgive somebody in their life because their heart is so burdened, and it is keeping them from connecting to what God has already given them. But we must make sure that we aren't, strapping a yoke of bondage on people, making them feel like, okay, you aren't healed, therefore uh, God hasn't released... It. Here's the language. Once you really figure out what that unforgiveness is in your heart, then God will release that healing for you. Now, some of you might not say it that way, but that's what's implied. It's what gets implied. Are you with me? Have you ever been prayed for in that way? And then you feel, so here's the problem. Here's what happens. The problem is, ah, well, gosh, okay, so I forgave my dad. Okay, I'm still not healed. Uh, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I need to, maybe I've got this spirit in my life. Maybe, okay, so now I'm going to go through, I'm going to go get a sozo. 
Ah, I'm still got this sin habit. That didn't really. I'm gonna go to this person for inner healing. Gosh, it's not really working. I know what I'm. I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna meditate on this passage every day, and every day, and every day, and I do it. And oh, I'm sleeping in the morning. Oh, I didn't do. It. Gosh, I'm still struggling with this thing. God, what is? What is it now, Lord? Is it? Is it? Oh, I know. I gotta start. I gotta give. Let's see. If I give. Then that will rebuke the devourer. The breakthrough spirit will come into my life, and I will, I will break this thing off of my life. And it's like, it never ends. It never ends. You can't do enough if that's your approach. Now, because that you already are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, God gives you the power to get wealth, God desires above all things that you prosper, being health even as your soul prospers. If you're struggling connecting to the uh, provision of the Lord, it might be a very good thing for you to, to put off the mindset of poverty. Maybe for generations in your family struggled with finances. But it's not that you got to jump back into and figure out where the problem is and then correct all that, do this with stuff in the spiritual realm. And once I break this and cut this and poke this and tie this and rebuke this, then finally, yes, Jesus, you'll give it. It's like, I mean, come, and, and again, I know some of you are kind of, maybe some people watching online are like, I don't like this. <laughs> Most of you are laughing, but some of you have deeply been trained in these methods. And, 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 you know, and it's, but, but you're here and I, you're, you're, you're probably knowing that some of that stuff is uh, erroneously applied. Now, again, people that have developed those methods have seen great results. There have been ministries that have seen incredible deliverance, healings. Why? Because it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of what's going on in the heart. It's not the, ex, it, it, it's, it's not the external working in the spiritual realm to realign things, what happens is a person might engage in those things, which then might give them a sense of confidence and hope inwardly, and then their heart is at a place where they can experience what they already have in Christ. So it's, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of, I don't want to call it a deception, but it's a, it's a kind of a sleight of hand type thing. It's kind of like giving. You got something now. <laughs> I was going to say, if we're holding something against other people, we're holding it against ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. If you're holding it against something against somebody else, you're holding it against yourself. Right. So oftentimes, yeah, you might need to forgive somebody else because you're caring, because you know that you should. And when you can finally absolve yourself of that guilt and shame, you can then allow yourself to experience the blessing that God's already given you in Christ. Are you seeing, am I making it clear? Are you seeing the differences? Because those of you that have pursued that, there is no end to it. You're constantly trying to figure out, what am I not doing? What spirit is involved here? What method do I need to apply to? What is it? What's the final thing? And it, and, and it's, it ends up in this realm of Gnosticism which Gnosticism was a prevalent issue in the early church. A lot of the stuff that Paul wrote was to undo the mystical stuff that was getting built up. Now, mystical, you know, to me, that's a word of trying to leverage things in the spirit rather than enjoying spirit. I know for a lot of people that's a, a good word. So, I, you know, again, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm just trying to kind of 
make clear some observations that I've seen in the ministry, especially in charismatic churches where well-meaning people really do want to help people. And we do have authority in the Spirit. We can help people uh, resist the devil and he will flee. We can walk people through a deliverance process and the enemy flees out of their lives. We can help people go through traumatic issues in their heart and release other people. But you must do it from the perspective that that's not what's going to cause God to release it. That's not what's going to cause, you know, the enemy to finally leave your life. It's the heart in it's your heart connecting to what God has already said is true that then causes you to be able to experience what is already yours in spirit. Now, it, 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 it sounds super clear, makes sense, but when you tread out into life and something goes wrong and it keeps happening, you watch. You'll, you keep asking yourself, well, gosh, why am I doing I know what this is. This is because I did this back then. I know what this is. This is, I, this is, this is that... This is that candlestick that I got from my grandmother and I always knew she was into witchcraft and that thing is really <laughs> allowing spirits into my life and it's like <laughs> it's so true. I'm telling you people believe that stuff and it's not that it's not accurate but how are we going to deal with these things right how are we going to minister in the power of the spirit is it through jumping into the spirit realm in our flesh shadow boxing, thinking that we're rearranging things over there, or is it realizing everything that I ever need from God is spirit and it is in me now. It's a fruit in me that is trying to grow into my life. Yes, unforgiveness might be constricting my heart of faith to believe. So yes, I might need to walk through that, but not to be added to, but to shed off, to send away that which is keeping me from experiencing God in me. So, so I'm not saying abandon the methods. When you pray for people here, abandon them. I would ask that. Just to, you know, keep it simple. We can talk about that. I'll just read a few more. The acts of the flesh are easy to spot, but when, it's a, a, when, you're, when you're in the flesh... In the spirit dimension, in other words, you're trying to carnally force things. Actually, in fact, uh, Glenn and I have been talking. Where's Glenn? He left. We, we were talking about this. Uh, there's a guy that we both really enjoy, and, and we've, I actually gave this guy's book out. And I'm not saying it's improper to read this guy's stuff, but he's a, he's a neuroscientist, a guy named Joe Dispenza. You guys ever heard of Joe Dispenza? I really enjoy a lot of what he's got to say. Um, however, you've got to be careful with that stuff because... Uh, he, he, I think he, he's got a Christian background. So he's a neuroscientist that basically uh, t teaches from a quantum perspective that mankind, just by sheer presence of mankind and the beliefs of our heart can affect the world to, in such a way that the world will rearrange itself to bring to us and match what it is that we can envision for ourselves. And that's not wrong, but... If it's done apart from the Spirit of God, it's divination. It's flesh-driven. In other words, it's in your own self-effort to shift these things without being led by the Spirit of God. Mankind has the ability, the innate power, 
to heal. It's just in us, you know. Now that we're leaving the Newtonian model of physics and we're adopting the quantum model of physics and we're realizing that it's not cause and effect, but we're in, a, we're in an interplay with the world around us and even at its smallest particle of existence, it responds to the will and the desires and the choices of humankind. And we're recognizing we have power and authority and dominion over this created realm. Now, you get into some theoretical stuff where the scientists that really do this kind of work would say, yeah, it doesn't really work that way. But, but it does seem to, in certain situations, the placebo effect, uh, you know, you're, you're aware of the placebo effect? It's like you give a, somebody a sugar pill and you tell them this is a cure for your disease and then, then they're, they're cured instantly. Why? It wasn't because of the pill, it was because their belief made it so. You have that power as a human apart from God. However, if we start moving these things around in our own self-effort, where's the line? Where's the line? Then we get into witchcraft, and I don't mean you're worshiping Satan. I just mean you're trying to bring about a spiritual end through carnal means. Through, through I was mentioning what you, you and I are talking about. You're, you're trying to bring about a spiritual uh, product or a spiritual state through your own effort of arranging these things. See, you don't have to work for healing. It's in you, and it's growing now. Because Jesus paid for it. Jesus is in you. He's healed. That spirit is in you. The fruit of healing, the promise of healing, is seeking to grow in your life right now. It's, it's happening physically. Your immune system, I mean, you know, all things being equal, your immune system is seeking to bring about optimal health in your body right now. So is the spirit. You get those two joined together in the heart, boom, you can't stop it. To then step out of that realm, to go out here and let's calibrate these things, it's divination. It's, dead. it's spiritual dead works. And, and it's interesting. This is, a, this is another observation. And, you know, just go ahead and determine that you love me no matter what <laughs> for the prophetic people. And, and, and you know, I, I'm not trying to be mean. But it's interesting because prophetic people really are into these kinds of things. And, and I think it's because of this. I think it's because, it's interesting, prophetic people don't like systems. Like, I, we don't like form. We don't, no, 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 I want to be free, creative, artistic. And I appreciate that. I want the prophets to be the prophet. We need creativity in the church. But it's interesting that when it comes to the working of the spirit, then systems get created. But they don't look like typical churchy legalistic systems because, hey, we're in the spirit. We're praying this and angels and this and moving things around. And it's like, it's deceptive. Watch out. If you're a prophetic person, watch out for spiritual systems. Because it's easy to then reach back into the old covenant, bring a little bit of mixture in, and then, and, and, and then you're in the flesh trying to make things happen in spirit from a flesh mindset through having this system. Are you, are you with me? Does that make sense? You know, I, I can't point to a scripture and say that, but I just, it's just an observation that I've had. And that's not to undermine prophetic people. I really say that to kind of set you free. You don't have to be everything in the body. You don't have to develop systems for people's healing and deliverance. You can affirm to them who they are in Christ, that they, God, God, God has delivered you. If I'm a deliverance minister and I'm a prophetic person, the thing I'm leading with is God has delivered you from the spirit of darkness, from the, from the power of darkness, and has translated you into the kingdom of his dear son. 
So before we ever even start, you already are delivered. The devil has no place in your life. The devil has been stripped of any and all authority. The only reason you got this thing tormenting you is because you believe something, that you're getting in harmony with it, and you're letting it wreak havoc in your life. So let's deal with that. First and foremost, realizing... Well, I'm fired up about this one. I'm getting loud. First and foremost, realizing that when you resist the enemy, he will flee from you. That is... Step two, into step one in deliverance is you already are delivered. You're in the king. king is in you. The devil has no power over you. Number two, what did I say number two was? Resist. Resist the enemy and he'll flee from you. So let's get you strengthened in your confidence in resisting. And then if we recognize you've got some kind of familiar spirit that was yeah, because familiar spirits are a thing. Gen- you know, I've got this whole teaching on generational curses I did a few months ago. Go look it up. It's on YouTube. Um, uh, but, but familiar spirits are a thing, you know. And, and someone in your upline from your family has something going on in their life and a spirit's attached to that. Those spirits are going to try to follow bloodlines. They do. But there's no curse that empowers it because Jesus has been cursed for you. So there's no legal right to that enemy to be attached to your life. But but you might not know that. Yeah, and if they can get you to believe the lie, you'll come into harmony with it. And then you'll think it has power to be there. Then you think that you've got to jump into the flesh and do shadow boxing to break its power or something like that. Are you with me? And I'm not just trying to like make everything practical, even for the prophetic people that I'm like, beware of the spiritual systems that we create. I'm not saying it because it's like you're doing it wrong and I know it all and I'm trying to, it's like, no, you just, just be free. Be the free person that you know that you are when you're looking into spirit. And you don't have to quantify and systematize things by this, mean, this issue has this devil. This psychological problem is this. I've been talking to some people about these kinds of things, and uh, somebody showed me a chart of one of these ministries, and it's like, good Lord, you got to repent from all of that? Well, what about the stuff you don't know that you've done that you haven't repented from? Which, devils are give, which devil are you giving power to from the stuff that you don't know that you need to repent from? It never ends. It really never ends. Galat... Uh, Colossians, uh, Galatians 3, verse 1. That's an O, as in O foolish. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? I think that's what we do a lot of times in, in, uh, in, in charismatic ministry is we are trying to obtain a spiritual state through fleshly means. And I don't mean physical or overt legalistic actions. I mean the mindset of effort to receive, of doing something, some kind of work 
to qualify or release or break or whatever. Now, it's easy to spot. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Now, okay, so I, I noticed something in this. Pay attention to this list, this rosy list of acts of the flesh. Which ones are actual actions and which others are attitudes or heart postures or internal conditions? And I, and I have a point in this. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the acts of the flesh are easy to spot. But they're not so easy to spot when we're over trying to bring about a spiritual end. And I just, I just keep noticing this in the body of Christ. I keep noticing in, in the realm of Christianity where people believe still the gifts are active, believe that God's desire is healing, that when we seek to bring about those results in ministry, we flip over back into the flesh. And it, it's harder to spot. It's hard to spot. But, but ask yourself, is there mixture in how I believe the Spirit works? You've, you've gotten it out of your theology, but is it out of your working with the Spirit yet? Does that make sense? Because here's how everything works, Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved. All right? What's the Greek word for saved? And what does sozo mean? Healed, saved, delivered, made whole, kept free. And the Greek word soteria in the Greek for salvation also includes prospered. Because oftentimes you'll say, well, we've been saved by grace. Well, you're prospered. But it's a different variant of the word salvation, soteria, does include prospered. Everything you want to receive from God is by grace through faith not through some spiritually flesh mixture, exercise, protocol, method. Are you with me? I think I've made the point. I don't want to keep beating that dead horse, but I just want to make sure it's dead. That sacred cow, we're going to have some hamburger, some spiritual hamburger. For by grace, so in other words, how do you get healed? How do you experience deliverance? How do you experience restoration? How do you experience rescue? All the stuff that's wrapped up... In case you don't know, when they translated um, the English Bible from the original Greek, uh, a lot of it is translated, but sometimes it's transliterated. To transliterate means they just take the word from the original language. They don't define it, but they just write it in English as close as to the word was in the original language. So the word sozo kind of looks like save, sozo, save. They didn't bother to define it. It should have been defined. It should have been brought into the English language what this word actually means. Are you with me? But we didn't get that. So praise God for knowing, you know, having study tools where we can go and then expand it. I'm not saying that the Bible is not inspired by God, but the translations are not necessarily inspired. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So all of the stuff that Jesus paid for is by grace 
through faith. By grace, and what is grace? Grace is a divine influence on your heart. Grace is God's unmerited favor, undeserved favor in your life. It's a capacity that's birthed in your heart. You are saved by grace. In other words, you are changed inwardly. You are, you are, you are shifted to experience a spiritual reality by the working of God in you, not the working of you in the Spirit. You're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. And again, we're repenting from dead works, but we're also going a little bit deeper into the nuance of repenting from spiritual dead works. Flesh, spiritual mixture works. Are you with me? Everything from God comes by grace through faith. Now, uh, if you're watching online and you're engaged in these methods and you're ready to make some comments and send emails, just, just think about it. Just pray. I'm not, I'm not trying to say I'm right and got this all figured out, but, but, but I'm really wanting to separate this idea of mixture and affirm us and root us deeply in the finished work of Jesus, especially in the matters of the working of spirit. Because we've got work, this body is on the rise, and we've got work to do in this community. No, I really don't like to say these kinds of things because it kind of feels like marketing, and I, and I don't, you know, in marketing, you try to set yourself up as why you're better than all the competition, and I don't ever want to come across that way. I really don't. However, nobody is preaching the finished work in this area. They're just not. I mean, everybody preaches the gospel a little bit, but, but uh, most churches still have mixture. And if they are rooted in the new covenant, the, the working of the spiritual gifts has mixture in it. And the reason you're not experiencing fruit, you're given a yoke of mixture bondage. So I'm not saying that you just go home, lay on the couch, eat Cheetos, and then everything's going to work out, because there is still work to do. We are to labor to enter into the rest, but you are to cease from your own works. So it's a paradox. It's a paradox. And so what you're constantly doing, not micromanaging your thoughts, not trying to get God to move, but recalibrating every, every Christian exercise that you do, every act that's between you and the Father, every church thing, every, every, everything that has to do with your Christianity, you're reevaluating all of it and asking yourself, am I doing this from a place of rest? Do I feel incomplete and do I feel like I have to do this to get, okay, let me send that away, renew my mind, no, I'm complete in him, all things are, uh, all his promises are yes and amen, his spirits, you know, you go through, you affirm who you are, so when you start to pray or somebody prays for you, you just affirm everything of the finished work, who you are in him. And then if you don't see the result in your life, you're in an Abraham-Sarah type situation where what they had to do was become fully persuaded in their heart that what God said was true. If you're going to work and labor for anything, Work and labor that you become confident that God is who he says he is. That you convince your mind and you, and you make great effort to believe God is a healer. God is a deliverer. God is my provider. And he is seeking to provide. In fact, he has provided. He has healed. Well, why is it not in my, why is it not in my here? I've got 50% healing. It's... You know what? Just persuade your heart. 
Put on the new man. Renew your mind. Not to make it so, but because it already is so. And then you got to just rest in the explanation where Jesus gives us in Mark 4. Well, how does it work? Well, it's like a farmer. He casts seeds in the ground. He goes to sleep. He wakes up. He doesn't know how it happens, but the seed produces after its own kind. Quit uprooting the seed. Quit thinking that your manipulation of spirit is going to bring about the seed's fruit and rest in the fact that the seed is in you and growing. It just is. It, I ju it just is. The kingdom of God is in you. Right now, the spirit of the living God is inside of you to flow up out of you as this river of living water to nourish your entire life, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and then you minister out of that as well. You minister from a place of heaven on this side of the cross. You know, that's our reality. It's just who we are. The eternal aspect of who you are is already everything that you're trying to receive in this realm. And the more that you can realize that's who you actually are, it does manifest itself into this life. It's the seed that is seeking to produce and will produce given the right environment to produce. And you don't have to go play around in the spirit. Still stand in your authority, rebuke the enemy, you know, whatever you need to do, do all that stuff, but do it from the finished work. Do it from knowing who you are in him. Amen? Now, I'm sure that sparked some discussions. Most of you are like, yes. And, and I, don't, I don't know who's been trained in these. I'm not, I'm not trying to single out anybody in particular because I don't know uh, who, who's been trained in these or who does this or not. You know, it really doesn't matter to me. Uh, but this message will probably be part of our prayer team training. Uh, I know, Meredith, you brought up wanting to be part of the prayer team. You know, so if you're wanting to be part of the prayer team here or you just want to you know, help minister to people, I would ask you, to do it from this perspective. Lay aside your methods. If you want to keep those methods, that's fine. You know, and, and, and I really can't tell you what to do. I mean, it's not like I own this place and you got to do it my way. I would never say that. But I would just ask that you do lead and minister out of the place of the finished work. Are you with me? Sound good? All right, let's stand up if you would. Gosh, do I dare? Do I dare? Do I dare? I mean, I kind of want to just open. Uh, is Chris here? Oh, yeah. Susan's going to play. Um, what's, now you know, what, what's, what's rolling around on your heart? What's rolling around in your mind? Yeah. We can do this from the mic, or you can do it from your seat, whichever. I, I just, I don't know, it's just one of those messages where I kind of feel like, let's, let's talk a minute. Let's have a little conversation. Come on up here. I was, I was literally sitting over there like, all right, Hang on yes, one second. Let's go. I'll come up. But if you don't ask, I ain't coming up. Don't do so. that <laughs> So, no, nah, but um, no, nah, this is really, I mean, this is my mom over here. You probably heard her laughing. Um, we, you know, I'm a cradle charismatic, born into cradle it. Cradle charismatic. Raised in it. You know, you got cradle Catholics. I'm a cradle charismatic. And um, I'll tell you the truth, like, I went through a lot as a teenager. My mom's starting to tear up because she knows, um, you know, I, I got saved and, you know, we were under this message of performance, performance, performance. And that's what I was raised in. And I mean, I'm telling you, I went, 
I was like, all right, God, if I'm going to be saved, I got to read my Bible every day. I got to pray every day. I was like 14 years old, like going up to strange men in Walmart. Like, I feel like I got to pray for you. Totally weird. Not appropriate at all, by the way. Um, and it just was like such freaking, sorry, such bondage. I mean, I was to the point I wasn't doing my homework. I was like, I got to read my Bible. If I don't read my Bible, now, I'm going to get. Now, now, this is real. Yes. So that bondage to the point that it legitimately started emotionally yes. affecting your life. Yes. I was depressed. I eventually became suicidal because I was really like, I'm doing everything. And I know this sounds kind of crazy to some of you, but like, this is how real that performance oriented Christianity becomes. Because I was like, I'm doing everything right. And I remember one of my friends who he had a troubled life. And he said to me one time, he said, Rachel, if you aren't going to heaven, there ain't no hope for the rest of us because you do everything right. And yet my heart said to me, you're still not enough and you're going to hell because you can't keep up. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, God, if this is what Christianity is all about, I'm the most depressed, just lost person who would want to follow you if I'm supposed to be the example and I remember thinking to myself Lord I know this can't be it because this doesn't make sense to me and I said I hope one day you can show me what this means and why am I stuck in this and so what happened is basically I continued on this path thank God I never went through with the suicide um and that was just a grace thing i think because my mom was witness to all of this and eventually i i picked up a what what ended up happening is i was in college and um this was like i went to a christian university so everything on tv was christian um so i kept like flipping channels and i'd see joseph prince and oh man when i saw joseph prince it's like my heart started racing i was like no no don't 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 watch him he's gonna put you under some more condemnation you gotta do more crap you've already done enough crap i don't i can't live up to this anymore don't put anything else on me okay because i'm still trying to live up to this stuff and i know some of you are going this girl sounds crazy this was my reality it's a lot of people's reality it is if we're honest with ourselves it's a lot of people's reality and eventually one night i couldn't sleep I just, I couldn't sleep. And so I went and I turned on the TV and guess who was there? It was Joseph Prince. And if some of you know Joseph Prince, you kind of know his ministry is breaking down all of this nonsense. And so I watched it and I went, oh my gosh, it was the first time somebody was telling me that it, you're right, you, you can't do it. And that's why there's Christ. And so I got his book, Destined to Reign. I read it, graduated from college, became pretty angry over what I went through because of some of the teaching that I sat under. And then I found this church because I Googled Joseph Prince, Georgia. And which I'm not exactly sure how that happened. Yeah, I know. They're not even like associated with Joseph Prince at all. And it's funny because I whispered over to my husband, I said, you don't, you wouldn't go through any of this. He's like, yeah, I'm just along for the ride. I didn't go through any of this, you know, but my mom is laughing because we went through this stuff. We went through this stuff where you got to rebuke the devourer and Jezebel and Bebezebel and whatever else, Bell, you know? And it's like, I've seen more freedom since being, and it's not you, but it's the message right. that you're preaching it, of being here and understanding who I am in Christ. And I've been through some stuff since going to this church. Those of y'all who know me know some of the stuff that, that I've walked through. It's not like my life's perfect. God has been there every step of the way. 
and I have the most peace, the most confidence, because it's your mind. It's everything you preach every day here. And I wanted to say it last week, but I was like, uh, and that's why this week I was like, uh. But anyways, that, that was my reality. And I praise God because he finally answered that prayer. What was going on when I was a teenager? And it was this, everything he was just talking about. Yeah, awesome. Praise God. Praise God for praying. Yes. Well, uh, our, our cultures, they're, they're set up on systems. And systems sometimes make us feel better or, you know, at ease. And so I think we, we, we tend to want these structures and systems so that our life would be controlled more. And so they're really always around us. And so we're always kind of looking like things like diets. Okay, if I live this way, then this will happen to me. You know, it's, a, it's like a how to do something, you know. And so, but if you look at the kingdom of God and Jesus, he just, he did everything different all the time. He just didn't repeat himself hardly at all. Yeah. He was led by the spirit. And so we tend to think that structures will, 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 bring peace to our lives but actually what they'll do is make us not grow at all and um, so we need those shaken up and then um, so and risk needs to happen and so and then this is how we grow in, in the kingdom so I just think it's entrenched in our culture too also not only religion it is religion basically you know and some of us, my personality is I like structure. I, yeah, I was gonna say I like systems. I'm systems, a, I'm a systems yeah. and structure guy. Yeah. But I've been as I've been thinking these kinds of things through, usually systems and structure are to get us to a place. Yes. But the reality is we are already there. Exactly. Put on that mindset. Yeah. That's all. But anyway, you know, and so, you know, maybe I mean, Clint's message is probably maybe shaking some structures up, you know, and so you know, and that and, and that's good because uh, you know we'll have healing in that. We realize that those foundations of Christ that are really in us are the true structures and the foundations, and our house is built upon that. Yeah. You know, everything that we do is built upon that. Anyway, Amen. It's good. Yes. Even if you just got a quick testimony or you a scripture, or, you know, I don't. I just. Let's yeah. be the family for just a minute. If you need to go, you can slide out. But I just have a quick word that the Lord uh, gave me this morning, uh, starting this morning on the way here, and then he's just kind of developed it uh, over the morning. So um, he, he told me this morning, um, I'm inviting you to go all in. And so I've talked to him about what that meant, especially in light of what we talked about today. And he's inviting you, he's inviting me, he's inviting all of us to go all in into his finished work. And he just has been talking to me this morning about how it's a choice. How, you know, when, when you think of that phrase, I'm going all in, you think about effort and action and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, no, it is a choice in your heart to go all in. And then I just wanted to read this uh, quickly, if that's all right with you guys. But in light of going all in, he's not talking about... Uh, action necessarily, but just that choice um, to go all in in, in our heart uh, to what he's already done. I'm inviting you to go all in, my child. I am all in for you. <clears throat> all of who I am, I present and give to you to partake and enjoy, to bless. 
I invite you to go all in in how you trust me. I'm inviting you to go all in in my love. Jump in and let every area of your heart be saturated by my spirit. Go all in. Going all in for you is a choice I made in my heart. I'm inviting you to make that same choice to go all in. Go all in for me. Going all in for me meant I paid a price. There was a cost that I paid. But your choice to go all in will leave you overflowing and abounding with blessing. Going all in for me will leave you better off than when you you were before. And that's what I want for you. Go all in and you will have more love, peace, joy, freedom, provision, hope, laughter, confidence, patience, understanding, stability, strength, wisdom, health. All manner of blessing will increase when you go all in. I take a seed and I turn it into a lush rainforest. I take a drop of water and make it a roaring ocean. I take an embryo and make it into a beautiful life with all its glory. I took Abraham's seed and made it into a multitude. I took a lowly shepherd boy and made him a conquering king. I took a gentle baby and made him the savior of the world. I make a sound and galaxies are bursting with galaxies bursting with lights are born. Make the choice to go all in my child and I'll show you my wonders exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, think, or imagine. The exchange will transform anything and make it thrive, multiply, and radiate with my goodness. Go all in with your worship, with your expression of love. Go all in with your family and your nation and your community and your friendships and your dreams at your job and the church. Go all in and watch the fruit of my finished work be, be nourishment and life to what was once dead and darkness without me. Go all in and my work that I finished in you. Amen. So Father, right now, We just declare in our hearts, Lord, we make the choice to go all in in your finished work, Lord. We know that it is all from what you did for us, God, and all of it is fruit that just grows up from what you completed, God. We rest in that today, Lord. We rest in your truth. We rest in your work, God. So if you're making that choice today, if you're choosing that today, let today be a marker and remember today that you went all in your heart in every area. You just let his finished work, you let his rest enter every part of your mind, every part of your heart. So if you're making that choice today, just repeat after me. I'm going all in. I'm going all in. Come on, say it with some gusto. I'm going all in. I'm going all in. Amen. 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 Awesome. Thank you. So me and you have exact same Rachel, to the T. Yeah. Like I found this place by searching Joseph Prince Georgia. <laughs> um, but and like when I was uh, like in Google 2013, um, I mean I was praying for everybody, all this stuff. I grew up Southern Baptist, but then I, I discovered uh, Todd White, and I was like, oh, I wanna, yeah. I wanna do that. So, which is uh, praying for people's good. It's it is good. But um, I got diagnosed with OCD this past uh, year and um, and it just made sense it was really helpful for me to identify that like my brain actually had something going on but the obsessive nature to um, there's a term within OCDs called scrupulosity which is like the uh, it's the obsession obsessive thought that you are letting God down or you've offended him um, and just hearing you talk about like dead works like the compulsion the compulsive thing 
is to do something to try to alleviate the anxiety or the guilt that you have um, with the obsessive thought kind of thing. Um, and it's just, it's just really interesting. So, I mean, I, I've been in a charismatic environment. The church I was at in Dallas is amazing, but the more, um, I don't know, it's just like, I, I remember it's, I never struggled with the things I struggled with until I got really in deep into the charismatic church. Um, and it, just the whole, like, you got to pray against the, you know, the Masonic stuff like that, all the, all the different things to try to um, get the, the, the fix or whatever, or the solution. And it, it just never works. And it, I kind of want to be like, from a person who like has been in that environment and how detrimental it is to uh, a person's brain. Like, and if, if you are the person who is like, teaching that or believing that like you got to stop because you're killing people like like no, it's, suicide it's is a real I mean I I mean I this past year like it got so bad but I um that stuff is it really messes with people and if you're not literally liberating people you are not doing the work of Jesus um and if you're telling them they got to do all these things like that's just anyways this message was really helpful for good, me good, good. And really reaffirming, and I don't know. So, yeah. Thanks for your transparency, yeah. Because it's not easy to admit that kind of stuff, but uh, but the, but that's the fruit. You got something, Gloria? Here you so, I was involved in a ministry like that for eight years, where I was desperate for healing, and it seemed like such a good thing, a draw. Like, wow, you can go and you can learn. And I'm a systems person too, so it just spoke to me like, wow, if I do this, if I repent of this, this disease will be healed. Cool. It's a long list. And well, then it was like, ending, it was never ending. Yeah. And then when you do all these, those things and nothing happens, what happens to you? God, what, what am I doing wrong? Where am I lacking? Yeah. I've not performed enough. Oh, it's tough. Despair, man. It's tough. So thankfully, God brought me out of that. And I've just been kind of wandering around the last few years trying to figure things out and sort of just kind of step back from God like, I, you know, I love you, God, I know, but just not that closeness. Like, it's hard, hard to be close when there's so much, like everyone's been saying, pressure, this heavy yoke on you that you have to perform somehow. And then I found this church not by jo Joseph Prince, Georgia. <laughs> it was actually a group called Chatty Noonan Women on Facebook. Great group. 26,000 women or something. They'll tell you everything. You need to know something. Anyway, it's a Noonan group. Um, and so I found it was like, I started looking in sermons online because believe me, I've been through some churches and I'm like, not walking into another one of those. And I'm watching, watching the sermons going, oh my word, oh my word. First of all, the new creation. You, you don't have that old sin nature you're dragging around. Yes. Then it was like, wow, freedom. So I've changed my definition of repentance from, God, please, please. Oh, I'm so sorry. So much guilt and shame. Please, I'm so sorry I did that. To, oh, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to renew my thoughts, renew my mind and what that means and what God's already done for me and how I can rest in that. And in peace and joy, God, thank you, God. 
you provided this for me. I just need to come in agreement and actually believe it. And I can rest in that with joy and peace instead of like, I'm not doing enough. Oh, no, no. Striving. It's all, it just goes away when you can rest. Rest in that instead of trying to push through with your own efforts, your own smarts, your own abilities, your own whatever, or just your own perseverance. What a relief. I just love this fellowship. I love what I'm hearing taught here. Everybody's so friendly. But I am so thrilled. It's like an oasis in a desert and just a fountain of water, living water. So thank you. And I, I think it's just the gospel, you know. I wasn't trying to garner testimonies for the church, but it is a beautiful thing to hear what the message is doing. Yeah, so mine's on the other eye, on the other end of I did not grow up in church, did not grow up religious, not a big Bible studier, but from relationship. So, you know, thinking, hearing all this, like, you got to do this, you got to do that. Well, what about the other people like me that didn't have all that message but you might think, I'm not good enough. And what I want you guys to focus on, if you're like me, is identity. God is your father. You are qualified um, to walk through healing, to walk through grace, to walk through identity like you are his child. Yeah. Amen. Well... People are staying, so you guys, I mean, it's a blessing. I, I, I just knew, I just like, no, this, we're not done. We need to, the body, let the body be the body. Um, so I totally connected with Rachel, your, your experience growing up. I've had a very similar experience, and I did actually... I don't know if I go Google Joseph Prince <laughs> in the church and found y'all, but <laughs> some sort of Grace United or something, and this church popped up, and Creflo's church popped up or whatever. But anyway, um, uh, just one thing that I noticed about the difference between growing up in that and then in this message, I, like, I knew that my mom and I knew there was something wrong. We just knew that there was something not right with this. Hi, mom, Susie. we were watching. She's Hi, Mom. <laughs> um, and we just knew that there was something not right. And it was like every time uh, that you, you messed up or made a mistake, you, just, you felt like, oh, God, you're so far away. You're so, like, God felt far away. And I, like, I don't know, but that's what religion did. And I felt like, oh, he's angry with me and all this stuff. And I just remember that feeling and that, like, the hopelessness that I felt. And, um, you know, even just recently, just yesterday, I read this um, in one of Jim Richards' books. Um, the heart is the holy of holies of the new covenant and it just I mean it like punched me in the face obviously you know just of that reminder that whoa the holy of holies you know this is a place where only the priest could go in he had to go through these rituals to enter into the holy of holies but Jesus tore that veil and entered into us and we have Jesus in our hearts and our hearts are the holy of holies and he he never leaves us he never forsakes us he is with us all the time so 
I got a hold of, you know, Joseph Prince's books, uh, Dust and Rain. I read that. And, and since then, even when I'm going through some hard stuff, I'm going through some, you know, even just recently going through some tough stuff. And I never felt far from him. He met me. And he reminded me and he gave, he gives me visions in the midst of that darkness. And I had a vision in the middle of this where I was on the ground and I was, um, there was, it was dirt and Jesus was sitting next to me and there was a bunch of Pharisees with rocks, you know, ready to throw rocks at me. And, and, um, and he says, look in the crowd. And I said, Okay, and I look in the crowd and I saw myself with a big stone. He said, drop the stone. Because sometimes we're our own worst critics. We're our own worst enemies. And we get so hard on ourselves. And he's reminding me, like, I don't condemn you. Don't condemn yourself. Get up and go and sin no more. Go. My, my grace is sufficient for you in your weakest moments. And our heart is the holy of holies. Yeah, that's good. That's good. We got a line. Everybody good? It's beautiful. I love it. Jimmy, how you doing? Praise God. Uh, this is from a message, from the message you shared about, I think, three weeks ago. Uh, at one point in the message, talking from Mark chapter 4 and when you said pay attention to what you hear for the measure that you use it will be measured back to you and then you said that we should focus on the word of God and I, I may not be saying it exactly as you said but we should focus on the word of God until it becomes more real to us than the situation that we're dealing with. And as I was thinking on that, I heard very clearly the Lord asked me a question, to what are you giving your attention? And then I was led immediately to Hebrews chapter 11, I think verse 2, where it says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things that are not that are seen were not made by things that are visible and then I heard the Lord say the invisible word of God that you're focusing on is responsible for everything that you see and it can overcome anything that we're dealing with without his word we would not even be here. You know, and then he took me right back to that verse where it says, by faith we know that the worlds were made by the word of God. And he began to explain that, you know, we grow from faith to faith. And every time we overcome or receive from God by faith, we are experiencing the reality of the invisible word of God and in that we can begin to see wow the reality of what we see and then at the end of that it was like the Lord spoke to me and said think of 
the new birth when you were born again and the incredible transformation that has taken place in your life not by reason of your self-effort but by reason of the word the invisible word of God Stacy, the last word. Um, so during worship, I just was picturing like Jesus and it's like cartoon Jesus. And he was little and he had these giant like boxing gloves on and he was being like, like chiropractor Jesus and punching like your spine back into place and punching pain out. And so um, I feel like he's bringing alignment today, like physically, but also spiritually bringing truth is bringing alignment. And um, and so, yeah, so if you need uh, Jesus to be your chiropractor and align your back or your <laughs> your bones, um, that's he's doing that today. Um, and so I just thank you, Jesus, for your healing touch. Yeah, um, and we just come into agreement with what you're doing and say yes to your alignment, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Um, you're good. That's it. Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you all so much for participating. Our prayer team is still going to be up here if you, you know, just want some agreement. Maybe change how you've been expecting to experience the spiritual blessings and just have them agree with you from a place of completeness. These guys will be up here. Otherwise, let's stand up one last time. Thank you, Susan, for playing. Father, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. May we rest firmly in who we are in you and who you are in us, honoring that inside of us is that sacred, holy meeting place, that new heart where we meet with you and experience everything that you have for us that is already ours. We trust you, we love you, and we thank you. Amen, 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 amen.